The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week, we come together to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour where you can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests each week that come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we'll focus on the people side of M&A, specifically culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that are beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We help our clients ensure these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their business. I love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impact through human resources. Helping companies to harness their most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It's my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way. By hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the best minds in the business for the benefits of themselves and their companies. So if during the conversation today you have a question or you'd like to contribute to the discussion, please feel free to call in to 866-472-5790. Okay, let's get the conversation started. I have with me today Francesca Malinari. Francesca is the Chief Human Resources Officer and Senior Vice President of Human Capital for Magento, the leading platform for open commerce innovation. Every year, Magento handles over $50 billion in gross merchandise volume. Francesca brings an amazing background to today's conversation. She's a global human capital leader with extensive multi-sector experience, including technology, business and professional services, financial services, luxury retail, and nonprofit management. She has served as a human resources leader for major corporations, including General Electric, Macy's East, Barney's New York, the Central Park Conservatory, and ICG Commerce. 
At ICG Commerce, she was awarded the Delaware Valley HR Department of the Year Award for Excellence in Employee Relations and Excellence for Employee Wellness Programs. Given the focus of the show, I think it's obvious why I asked Francesca to come on as a guest. She's a true business leader with the acumen to apply the topic of human resources in a transformational and strategic way. Over the course of her career, she's seen all sides of M&A from a people perspective and can give us great insights on everything from the benefits of having HR at the table when executing a deal to what employees should expect when they find themselves and their jobs affected by a deal. Hello, Francesca, and welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Sonia, thank you so much for having me. It's a terrific honor to be on your show, and thank you to your listeners. I really hope today can be conversational. I hope there's questions and we can get to talk about the things that those who've joined us this hour would like to know about. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. An hour with with Francesca Molinari um, (laughs) is is very exciting indeed. If if these are topics that you are um, looking to learn a lot about. So first of all, tell us a little bit about Magento. And the role M&A is playing in the growth and development of the company. Absolutely. I'd love to. So I have the privilege of leading human capital for Magento, as Sonia said. Um, If you're not familiar with Magento, it's the number one commerce platform in the world. We have more than 250,000 merchants who are transacting around the world on Magento platform. Magento is commerce without limits. It's the most flexible platform out there. We enable merchants to sell online, on on a plane, uh, on mobile, on the grocery store line, wherever the customer is, however they want to buy, we have the ability to connect the customer and the merchant's products. What is truly unique about Magento is the ecosystem that wraps around the company. Uh, Magento is an open source platform. What that means is that others can see, interact, and actually build upon our code. It's very, very unique to Magento. So the result is, when you have the Magento platform, you are supported by talent and expertise, not just of our own employees, but of more than 150,000 developers and more than 300 solution partners. So that's a little bit about Magento. So how how are we considering M&A and, and in what vein does Magento see that? I'd say three ways predominantly. When we look to a potential acquisition, there's three things that we're looking for. First and foremost would be to extend our product. Is there a feature that we have on our roadmap or that should be on our roadmap? And is there a product out there that we can acquire and bring into our own, our own technology in a way um, that really ramps up our time to market? The second way would be to extend our geography. Uh, we have merchants all around the world, but um, as we extend our geographic footprint more and more and are able to serve um, and through localization more and more in other markets, we are certainly looking at um, acquisitions to expand our footprint. And the third way would be a complementary offering. So in addition to our web store platform, we have integrated and complementary products such as um, uh, payment tax and fraud. So something that is very, very much related, hopefully very seamless experience, but uh, complementary product offering that we would bolt on to Magento would be the third thing we'd be looking for. So it's a big deal for you guys in terms of where you'd like to take the company. It's fast growing, it's innovative. Um, it's a market leader, and certainly M&A, acquiring related companies, related technologies is a, a big reason why or how you want to grow the business. And I'm sure as a head of human capital, you're sitting at the table and you're having direct conversations with the leadership, the CEO and others, about um, what the best way is to do that from an HR perspective. Um, can you tell us a little bit about 
the role that you feel HR has to play in a merger and acquisition, and why is it different, um, just as important as finance and legal, but but different from finance and legal, and why should it be at the table? Sure. I would say to those on the call, whether you're in the human capital field or particularly if you're not, I can advise um, probably nothing more strongly in order to have a successful acquisition or to walk away from a potential acquisition because it might not be successful. That is really, I'd say, the point at which you would want to have your human capital leader and their team involved, Um, not just at the point where a company target has been selected, you're far into the diligence room, you may have even put some kind of intent out there, you may even have signed some documents. Um, I think where companies can go wrong is by bringing human capital into into that process entirely too late, where I think we can have far greater success is to move that all the way up into here's what we're considering, here's where they're located, here's what their talent looks like, here are the countries that they're in, Um, particularly in the area of global expansion. It is not easy. And Magento is a smaller company. We have broad reach. Um, A lot of merchants, a lot of developers surround us, but our company ourselves is small and still quite emerging. Um, It is not easy to employ in other countries and it doesn't happen overnight and nor can you necessarily bring employees into the country where you would like to have them employed easily and quickly. So, you know, they may they may be feel like small matters and small details, but they can critically impact whether or not a deal can even be done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you think about the cost of a deal and, you know, beyond the purchase price of the entity, there are um, operational costs associated with it and, and very much so as it relates to human resources. So how many employees are there? What are they currently being paid? How are they currently being paid? Um, do you have any retiree eligible, perhaps not so much in the high-tech business, right? right? You may not be <laughs> looking Not top for, of mind for us. Yeah, not, not top of mind for you guys necessarily, but, you know, you may have um, uh, certain performance and rewards or, or, or long-term incentive uh, options that you have to consider. Absolutely. And so, you know, on top of the purchase price, there's the idea of, so what it's going to take to do no harm, if nothing else, or what happens if you've got redundancies in positions and you find yourself with now two CFOs or, or, or two heads of IT and there's got to be some measured strategic way of, of identifying which way to go. So Absolutely. these are some additional reasons that I have seen and I think you probably have seen as well where bringing HR to the table at the very beginning is, is, is important. You could... Uh, suffer some un, un, uh, unintended consequences. Absolutely, otherwise. absolutely. I would say, you know, let's focus narrowly because of my my topic, my expertise on those deals where there's talent involved. There certainly are deals. We have one uh, we're just about closing on now in which none of the employees will be coming over. We're purchasing some technology. I actually am still involved in that deal, but obviously to a far lesser extent. Um, so for the purposes of the conversation, we'll focus on deals that include some portion of talent um, it is critical to understand, first of all, how talented are they? <laughs> how engaged are they? What are the retention risks? How are how are the leaders viewed? How strong are the leaders? Uh, what will the how would you like to integrate them? Is this a company that you'll be bolting on and will continue to operate separately, or is it a company that you'll truly be integrating into your environment? If so, 
What's the cultural compatibility? Critical, critical questions that the earlier you can assess, the better you can plan for them should you do the deal and the better you can make more considered recommendations and make a better decision about whether or not it is the right deal to do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, from an expertise perspective, it really is a uniquely human resource perspective that would it would fully inform those kinds of, of decisions that need to be made. Uh, you know, heaven forbid you acquire something and you've got two different definitions of performance. Absolutely. Where, you know, as, as an organization, you guys are innovative, you are risk averse, you're moving quickly, you make decisions, and uh, you looking to acquire a company that perhaps um, moves a little more slowly or, you know, they are really rewarded for the time it takes to build consensus first. Yeah. And uh, knowing that ahead of time and at least being able to then create a path forward if one is should be made is something that's uniquely HR as well, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, well, so any, um, any additional thoughts before we, we head over to break? We've got about... 30 seconds, and uh, don't want to cut you off before we, <laughs> before we sure. move in, but you know, if you've got any just additional thoughts before we, we head off to break. Certainly. I would say, again, the, the main point I'd, I'd really emphasize is for the importance to bring human capital in early for that look at the talent, at the levels, at the practicality of the deal. And I would say for those um, listening to us today who are in the human capital field, you know, please remember that the value that you add is not just about a successful integration, but whether or not it's the right deal to do from the beginning. From the beginning. Mm-hmm. That, that's excellent. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be right back with Francesca Molinari. She's the Chief Human Resources Officer for Magento. Right back after this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. (laughs) 
You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Francesca Molinari. Uh, Don't forget to call in with your questions or comments if you'd like to add any. Um, So, Francesca, you've been part of many transactions across your career, not just as an executive, but as an employee. What are some of the expectations employees should have when they find themselves part of a transaction? And what should they look to HR for in terms of support? Yeah, I think my most meaningful experiences across my career have probably been the times when I've been in that other chair. So as a human resources professional for many years, I have often been the one who, fill in the blank, had had to, you know, have a difficult performance conversation with someone, had to tell someone that their job was being eliminated, um, had to share difficult news about a colleague, that their site was being closed, um, uh, that they had been... Uh, brought up on some kind of concern, discrimination, harassment. They were subject of an investigation. So I'm, I'm often the one in the more comfortable of the two chairs. My best experiences, though, and those that I think make me a stronger and better partner are the times when I've been in that less comfortable chair. So I have been um, part of acquisitions where I didn't have a seat at the table. We were the acquired company. The first one was very early in my career, and the second was very recently. Just about a year ago, my company was spun out of a much larger company. First, we split in two, and then the half that we went with, my particular business unit, was sold and split into four. And so, you know, I have some really relevant <laughs> recent and fresh experiences from what it what it felt like from the employee perspective and the things that the company did well and the things that they did, in my perspective, not as well really have helped to influence me and guide me now that I'm back in that other chair you know the chair where an employee's experience with an acquisition when we are the acquirer is hopefully very very different than um, than some of the things that I've experienced and I, I can bring to that that very personal knowledge of what it feels like because I, I do know what it feels like so to the question of what happens, what should an employee expect when they find themselves part of a transaction? I, I gave that ad- advice as recently as Thanksgiving when my nephew said to me, Aunt Francesca, my company's being acquired and it's pretty much a merger of equals and I think my boss is going to be okay and I'm not sure, you know, should I be looking? What should I do? And so, Joseph, if you're on the call, you know what I told you. I will say the same thing to your, your listeners, which is, what an amazing opportunity and be ready. It's uncertain. It will be uncomfortable, but what an experience. And if you plan to be a business leader, you're going to need seasoning and seasoning comes from being on all sides of all kinds of situations. You truly cannot be a fully formed leader, in my opinion, until you've been on the growth side of a business, on a downside of a business. You've been the acquirer and the acquiree. Um, Everything that happens to you in an ever-changing world and the more perspectives you can have will just so enrich how you are as a leader. So stay, Joe, and see, see this through. Be patient. 
listen, watch, learn, contribute, stay focused. You have a job to do today. The reason why your company is potentially being acquired is because it has value. So I know it's not easy. I know there's a lot of questions in your head. In his particular case, he's got a marriage coming up, so a lot to consider. But even even with his personal worries, my my advice is and and, uh, would be to those on the call is to try to see it through, absorb as much as you can, try to keep your head down as best as you can, continue to create the most value that you can for the company that you're in, and frankly, to distinguish yourself. If you are on the other side of this transaction, if it's successful, you want to be that person who's remembered as sticking through the tough times, as someone who could stay focused, as someone who was a positive influence in the culture and in the office, who could help others come around when uh, the situation was getting to them. So that that is, is and remains my guidance to those in those situations and really to see the positives of it and just everything that we go through is a learning experience. And be self-reflective. Think about what you can learn from this. And, and the question I always ask, which is, you know, perhaps a little simple, but it is just think to yourself. I, I asked it of someone today, you know, if you were queen or you were king, what would you do? And just constantly be evaluating what is perhaps at times feels like it's happening to you. Right. And just keep that question top of mind. Keep good notes um, so that one day, hopefully when you are king or queen, you have those answers at the ready and it comes from a very informed, empathetic perspective. To the employees about what should they look for from HR in terms of support, I wish I could answer that easily. I've seen human capital teams of every form and function of every level of quality of every level of impact or lack thereof on the business. So it's hard to tell you what you will experience. I can tell you what in my mind you should expect from a high quality human capital team, which would be transparency, honesty, reality, um, being available to answer questions, but also being able to say, I don't know the answer yet, but you know, uh, empathy, certainly. Ideally, you would look for leaders, not just the human capital individuals you'll deal with, but leaders from within the company who are looking to bring out the best of your company. There's value there. There's a reason you're being acquired. And hopefully they want to learn from you and from your colleagues um, and not just superimpose, you know, their own culture and their own way of doing things. So a, a listening organization, if, if you're getting any or even better, all of those things, and you're presently in that situation, I'd say you're exceptionally well-placed and you should be excited about the road ahead. That's all great advice. I, you know, I think one of the things that makes you unique as an HR capital executive is that business acumen that you bring to the role. And I'm wondering if in as a, your role as an HR person um, during these transactions, to what extent did you um, have to translate the business strategy associated, the reasons behind the, the transaction itself? And, and, you know, part of that service that you're giving to the employee community, perhaps is sometimes explaining the why what it means to them as an individual, you know, um, my experience has been the more people know, uh, the more the more they're able to adapt and, and uh, sometimes even celebrate change. Uh, but to the extent that they are in the dark about the why, it makes it a little harder. Yeah. And I think a lot of organizations don't avail themselves of their HR capability to help in that translation. Um, to, so have you, have you had the experience to be able to sort of serve as that 
translating entity between the business and the employee community? Yes, I'll draw upon a very recent experience. So as I mentioned, although my company is older than one year, we are one year old, uh, November 1st was our anniversary as an independent company separate from our former parent. Um, And in July, so just about the sixth, seventh month mark, we acquired a company um, actually here in Philadelphia, which is, I I live and work uh, between Philadelphia and California. Um, The approach we took with this company, again, very much taken from our recent experience was with the permission of the CEO of that company. So first and foremost, I think there has to be openness on the other side. We didn't want to force ourselves upon um, the CEO. It it was was his company and he personally was the founder, small company. He was a founder, had his footprint, his fingerprints on every single hire. But with his permission and agreement and partnership, we were in speaking with employees well before the deal was done, even during the due diligence phase. Um, He was a terrific partner in uh, embracing that. I'd say not just allowing it, but embracing it, encouraging it. There's risk to that. My team spent a lot of time, um, obviously, with the employees of that organization. And one never knows if a deal is going to be completed or not. But that was a risk we were willing to take because we thought the impression of Magento started with that very first interaction. And so we did a few things. Um, We gathered questions from employees. And there were many we did not know the answer to. But there are many that we did. And we answered them where we could, and we put them in writing. I'm not afraid to kind of put my thoughts in writing and put it out there. And I think people appreciate, you know, that I'm willing to, and we're willing to as a company, tell you where where we think things are going to land and to commit to that as best we can um, during the course of the deal. The other thing we did is to hold what we called office hours. So myself and members of the team um, had published a few hours during the week where we'd be in the office and employees could just come by and ask us questions and just get to know us. Again, we did not have all the answers, but certainly we did. You know, the question of who is Magento? Mm -hmm. Why would you acquire us? What would happen if? Were absolutely questions we could answer. Why do people like to work at Magento? What would a career like look here? Absolutely things we can talk about and really did a lot to ease the minds of the employees so that on the day of close, we were not strangers. Um, and because my team had been at the office so many times, I'd say the human capital team had a particular advantage in that we knew a lot of the employees when we had you know, their day one celebration. And I, I do think it really, it was a risk. Um, we put ourselves in a situation for many weeks where we probably had to say more, I don't know, then here's the answer. And, and that can be unfulfilling for both the employee and for us. But I would do it again. <laughs> and I would recommend it to others in the right situation. That's absolutely fascinating that you were engaging at that level with employees of a target company so early in the process. That's that's absolutely amazing. Um, the thing that really stood out to me in that example, though, was you almost included the culture fit as part of the initial due diligence, where rather than waiting Um, till further along in the process or heaven forbid after the deal has closed it really feels like to me you're talking about um, really assessing a culture fit starting with is this a CEO that would welcome us in this way to the extent that the CEO is on board and engaged with that approach to me is a marker of okay there could be a good cultural fit here and that is such a re- that's such a really cool, um, very early determinant 
of whether or not this is something that from a culture perspective would, would move forward. I, I, that to me is Absolutely. just extraordinary. Absolutely. I would say the value also is because my team was there pretty frequently and, and team members at all levels um, would, would spend time in the office. You know, my, my goal was always really to become almost part of the furniture. It's a great seat from which to observe. You know, if you swoop in as a member of the HR team, you sit only in a conference room and have, you know, people brought into you at the appointed hour. Sure. <laughs> and you have, you know, no line of sight to the office. You're not working in the office. I mean, a lot of the time we were there, especially in the early days, there were literally lines um, of employees waiting to meet us, which was fantastic. That was w- what we were there for. But at some point, the lines dwindled a bit because we had answered as much as we could and we were doing our day jobs, but from literally the seat of the company that later on we would acquire. And, you know, our hope was really just to become a comfortable and familiar presence for the employees to begin to earn that trust from pre-acquisition phase, but also to just take in a tremendous amount of information. That's fantastic. What, a, what an excellent segue into our next segment where we'll begin to talk about the cultural and behavioral side of these kinds of transactions. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, like I said, we're here with Francesca Molinari, Chief Human Resources Officer for Magenta. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization. The new SEO is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Phil Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into the Soul Show Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration, too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. 
You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Again, we're here with Francesca Molinari. Let's continue our discussion. We were just getting into culture and behaviors when we left for the break. And um, I think that the way that you uh, deployed that concept in your most recent acquisition uh, with Magento is just really brilliant and I'm sure greatly appreciated by the employees on both sides and certainly would have attributed greatly as well to the success of that acquisition. Um, But I'm wondering if there is a time that you can think back on over the course of your career where perhaps culture and behavior uh, was not necessarily taken into consideration in the way that it could be um, in in doing one of these transactions. Uh, You know, I I think when it's done well is perhaps, unfortunately, too rare. Yeah. And uh, I think the the other side of the coin is probably more common. Yeah. Think of a time when perhaps it wasn't done the way that that you would have done it. I can. I can. in particular, this is in the suite of financial services experiences that I had. And I would say, looking back on an acquisition that did not go well at all from two perspectives. First and foremost, it was very evident upon close that there was a huge culture and and even values and perhaps even ethical mismatch with the company that we acquired and the company that we were. Um, There was also a hugely missed Uh, or misunderstood business opportunity. And the acquisition I'm speaking of began unraveling eventually the the division that acquired it. So I won't speak as much to that. It was a very severe business miscalculation and um, a great undoing of a a great division of a great company um, in large part because of that business miscalculation. But even had the business been more successful or not as bad as it ended up being, I would say, I was a, a team member fairly earlier, you know, pretty early on in my career. Um, but when I think about the early days post-acquisition, it was so clear to me that we were so interested in this company and what we thought we could do and kind of glamorized by what we saw in this company um, that we missed And we were absolutely going to fully integrate this as a product into our suite to integrate the employees. It was not going to be standalone And I think we had blinders on to what a cultural mismatch, a values mismatch, and an ethical mismatch could do to a company. And the points of friction were evident from the beginning. So um, I do wish, and I don't know that this did or didn't happen. I wasn't that close to the table. But I would like to think that that, um, the human capital leaders would have been more eyes open to it and have been courageous. Someone should have called it out that no matter how much we wanted this type of product or type of business, that perhaps this wasn't the one. Mm -hmm. So either um, they were guilty of not paying enough attention and and noticing um, a colossally different view of how the world work and should work and how business would work, uh, how different the ethics were, um, or they noticed it and, and weren't brave. And so that is where I think human capital leaders have to stand up sometimes and say the difficult thing and have the courageous conversation. Um, and I, I wish that had happened then. Yeah. It was a sad story in the end. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's more common than we think. Yeah. You know, 80% of mergers and acquisitions fail. And, uh, you know, I happen to, this is my 23-year soapbox I've been sitting on, <laughs> but I happen to think it is fundamentally tied to... Um, 
an improper utilization or lack of utilization of the HR function and the focus on um, culture. So if we put our consulting hats on for just a second, and I know you've got some professional services experience as well, let's talk about best practices as you've seen it, um, as you've deployed them or utilized them, um, you know, for, for listeners thinking, okay, so, you know, what's the best way to go about utilizing the HR function, what's the best, what, what steps would I take to ensure that we don't make any cultural missteps? You know, what, what are the things that have really worked well for you yeah. in the past that you could share? Yeah, a few things. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, those office hours, as I mentioned, <laughs> and if you find the right, the right situation and the right CEO and a willingness, um, it is every hour spent there was, was spent well. And, uh, it's, it's one of my, my, my best practices I'd love to share with this team. Um, another is to the extent that you are able to involve the employees who are being acquired in having a say of where they might or might not go. Now that isn't always possible, but I'll, I'll give you another experience also from the financial services days. Uh, one of the units, I was in acquired a very, very, very large, the biggest acquisition we had ever done. And together with the company that we were, we knew we had more people than jobs, which is often the case. And I proposed a pretty radical idea that actually was implemented. And uh, you know, I'm very proud of it, which is, gee, rather than sitting in, in the dark room and sitting there with our spreadsheets and our LinkedIn profiles and resumes or forced interviews um, and deciding who we think we should bring over and who should not be offered the opportunity. We knew there was a lot fewer people that we needed than were there. So there was going to be far fewer people taken in. It's just the way the math worked, right? Far fewer taken in than kept. Um, That is not a result of the talent. It's just how many people were needed in a business where there were economies to be had. It was the reason we came together were were those efficiencies. So I very radically, um, uh, you know, said, what if we asked and what, <laughs> what if we said, do you want to be a part of this company? Um, and, and there was a standard severance agreement that was part of the deal. And so the company that was selling them, we knew exactly what that severance package would be. And it was guaranteed to employees. And um, my great supply, surprise and pleasure, as different as it was than this very well-established company had ever done it before, this is actually what we did. And so we sat down with every employee and said, we do have a role. That role is X. It looks very much like the role you have today. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Would love for you if you have interest to meet the manager. Let me tell you a little bit about this company that we work for. But we want you to join if you want to join. Yeah. And we're in a position where if this isn't right for you, isn't the right company, or maybe it's time for you to make a change in your career, the worst thing would be to bring you into the company because we thought you had interest and engagement and to let go another talented colleague who might very much want to be a part of us. And so it, it worked out so beautifully in the end that we were able to bring on the employees who wanted to be there, they felt and truly were self-selected into the business. Those who wanted to move on to other things felt good about that. They chose that exit package. And um, some of them did really fun and exciting things. And they decided to take some time off or go to Bali or whatever. And they felt great. I've never had employees feel so great about a layoff. But my <laughs> goodness, when you choose it, when, yes. would you like the job or would you like the package? That is really empowering. And so we ended up with an exiting population 
who felt good about it. We ended up with just about the right number of people, talented people. And we certainly had access to their profiles and their backgrounds. And, you know, there were certainly situations where some people perhaps were not extended the opportunity to join. But in more cases than not, we acquired this business because we knew they had fantastic talent. So almost everyone was welcome to post for an opportunity, you know, within the company. And, And those who did join were highly engaged and had chosen us. No different, really, than if they had chosen another job on the outside. That is fantastic, and um, certainly an example of a best practice uh, for sure. And I think one of the other um, benefits from approaching things that way is it enables you to address some of the retention risks Absolutely. that are always present when you do a merger or an acquisition. Um, I, I can recall a time uh, where I was doing the HR due diligence for a very large transaction with very specialized skills, and the re jobs that could only be done by these very specialized, highly degreed individuals. Um, Losing those folks was a a zero-sum game. There was no option. And so retention is quite often um, in in a high-tech situation as well. I'm sure those specialized skills, you just want to make sure that the right people don't leave before lack of interest or, or knowledge or or a lack of engagement. Absolutely. Well, let's play let's play out my scenario a little bit further. All of those conversations were had before that deal was inked. Now, if we had found that no one wanted to join or all the wrong people wanted to join who didn't have the skills or the knowledge or the level of engagement or the culture or values match that we were looking for, that deal might not actually have gotten done. And that is a very different chair to sit in than the more typical chair when you sign the deal and say, boy, I hope they don't leave. Right. You know, so I I would say we went in knowing exactly who was going to sit where and that they had chosen their chair. Now, from that point, as with any new hire, it is your job as a company to keep them at that level of engagement. And if they end up leaving the company, there are other reasons other than the acquisition that, you know, and, and or how they came into the company. They chose that. And they're yours to lose from that point. <laughs> well, and those integration activities are, are, are post-deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, those HR-driven integration activities are critically important, but so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> so much more impactful when you know that the, integrated, the integration was successful yeah. from the point of close, yeah. as opposed to having to course correct yeah. and, and uh, recover. Yeah. Well, you know, early in my career, I was the head of HR for Central Park in New York. Coolest job ever. I know. I know. Um, it was. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot in so many ways. But some of the things I learned were from the gardeners. And, and one of the things I learned from the gardeners was that 95% of the work of a successful planting is not putting that bulb or seed in the ground or how you lay them out or it is the preparation. The, really the unglamorous yeah. work, frankly. We had an activity called Day in the Dirt where people who worked in our offices at the Central Park Conservancy would go into the park and we would spend the day with our zone gardeners and work in the garden Um and I will tell you, before we got to put in that beautiful daffodil bulb, we had spent long, long hours on our hands and knees, taking out the weeds on the rocks and tilling the yeah. soil and studying the chemicals and, and making sure everything was balanced. And I'd say it's a good metaphor for integrations. It is perhaps unglamorous, often difficult, messy, dirty work. But in order to have you know that, that beautiful planting at the end, it's that pre-work will pay off. What an awesome analogy (laughs) (laughs) that really really does work I mean you know when you think about due diligence 
often the human resource due diligence is really not given the the uh, time at the table that it really should have and, and uh, is really required to ensure a successful yeah. transition. And like you say, it's not always glamorous and it's not always um, fun. It's often dirty. Yeah, <laughs> but, literally. <laughs> but, uh, but, but very necessary. And I, and I think it's it, a, a testament to, to you and your approach to human resources um, and really uh, speaks to what best practice is in terms of how you utilize HR. Um, I, we're going to go to break here, but when we get back, I'd like you to talk a little bit about how you got that seat at the table. And uh, let's talk for those folks out there in HR who are looking for a seat at the table, how they can make that happen, or perhaps those C-suite folks or the, the legal or financial side of things, um, what we can do to encourage the, the presence of HR at their, dear, at their deal tables. Absolutely. So we will uh, take uh, another short break, and we'll come back with Francesca Molinari. Chief Human Resources at Magento, right after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business. Tune in to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. You'll hear from guests that will help you work on your business instead of constantly in your business and get your life back while the business keeps running and humming. Reclaim Your Freedom airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Well, welcome back, everyone. Again, we're here with Francesca Molinari, and um, we're talking about what it takes to get HR executives a seat at the merger and acquisition deal table. 
Um, I think clearly from the experiences that you've shared so far, you've done a very nice job of establishing yourself as a key member of the deal team next to the finance guys and the lawyers. Uh, but, you know, HR is obviously a critical component, but there may be some folks out there in the HR field who would like to be able to um, provide that same level of, of insight and, and input into the transaction, but they're perhaps looking for a way to get there. What advice would you give to HR executives who are looking to find that seat? Absolutely. I'd say the seat of the table question is probably my favorite you know, <laughs> to take on from any number of, of perspectives, but I'll, I'll kind of try to limit it to the deal table. Um, well, first and foremost, I would say it will be hard to get at the deal table if you're not at the table of your business to begin with, yes. right? So first okay. and foremost, <laughs> um, I, it, it is not really a question at my company if we're going to acquire employees that we are involved because I'm involved in all aspects, as is my team of our business. So the bigger question, I suppose, is how do you get to that table to begin with yeah. where you are um, inextricable from from the business? That doesn't happen overnight. It does not happen easily. Um and it, it, at every company, it is not meant to be. I've also had to walk away from a company where I realized when there was a change of leadership that I had a seat at the table, I had earned it, I won it, did a great job with it, and then there was a new leader who was not accustomed to that, and it was not meant to be and couldn't be, and, and I found greener pastures, and career went on from there. Um, so I would say specifically if, if there is a deal in your company and you know you can add value and you'd like to get more involved to get to that table, I would start with asking questions. First of all, try to figure out the mechanics, who's running the deal, who can you work with, who do you have a relationship with, um, and then suggest ways in which you and your team can get involved. Ask the questions about um, have we looked at the compensation of the employees? Do we know how they are compensated? Do we know what their performance bonuses, if they exist and what they're like? It'd be great if I could see what their benefits are like and, and have a view on that. I'd start with really the, the, the basic mechanics, which I don't think too many people are going to say no to. <laughs> If you're willing to jump in and do some analysis and make some recommendations, human capital costs are the majority of costs of any business. I mean, 50, 60 plus percent or more, you know, more um, often. So if you can, and payroll benefits, that's where those costs live. Um, If you can provide information and analysis and recommendation in your area of expertise, which by the way, you can, um, any human capital executive can and should be able to to do all of those things. So there's certainly the talent pieces, um, but that may not be the natural place to start, you know, to ask to go in and assess executive talent if you don't have that relationship with your senior leaders or your deal team yet could be a very unnatural place to start. They may think they already have that. But offer to get involved in that place where they'd probably be very happy to have expertise and help. Um, everyone wants to go in and meet with the leaders. Not that many people want to analyze the benefits. And that's a great place to start and a necessary place to start. And should that deal come to fruition, you will have so much information that you need um, to get you up and running and, and well ahead of the curve for all the things you'll need to do for the acquisition. You know, ask about employment lawsuits that may be pending. If, if that's a critical question, is this company currently being sued? And if so, you need to understand what that is. Um, employee relations issues, things that are, um, you know, problem, problem employee situations that they're dealing with. But, but truly, if you can say that you are still trying at your company to get a seat at the strategic table of the business, um, consider 
those important details the place where where you would start in your your functional expertise yeah yeah I, one of the things that uh, I often have to consider in my business is um, not necessarily convincing the CEO that HR belongs at the table but uh, I often am dealing with the capital yeah. side of things yeah. and uh, and doing the due diligence and 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 making the case for the HR due diligence being part of the capital decision to underwrite a transaction mm-hmm. and looking at the data and looking at the quantitative factors associated with the cost of the deal. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think whether you are inside the organization or if you're part of the external deal team, at the end of the day, whether or not the deal works is going to come down to the numbers. Absolutely. And so as, as an HR person or um, as an external consultant or someone that would, would play that role, Having the ability to speak from a quantitative perspective on the, the merits of the deal or not are, are uh, one of the things that I have found to be most beneficial in trying to, to include these pieces into the conversation. Could not agree more. Start, start with where the money is. <laughs> Follow the money. Um, and I really believe that your help, benefit, and expertise will, will very much be appreciated and needed. You know, sometimes you're given a seat at the table. Sometimes you have the benefit of a leader who understands what human capital can bring, and they, by association, you're the new person in, you know, extend that to you. Sometimes you earn it through a relationship, and sometimes you wiggle your way in from the bottom up and you start with, I've certainly done it. You know, my, my first break in HR really into a more strategic role came when a very senior person in um, actually in the Macy's organization knew me to be confidential and discreet and asked me to proofread very confidential information. Now that is not sexy work. You know? <laughs> and I had already been in human resources for, I don't know, four or five years. And I, you know, I, I could have done two things. I could have considered that, you know, beneath me. Um, or embraced it, which I did, paid a lot of attention to it, which I did, found the typos, which I did, you know, but also used that opportunity when she said, what spelling errors did you find to say, well, I found these, you know, but also might you consider, you know, having recently been in a store, which I had been, I was now in the corporate office, you know, let me tell you how this if you're open to it, I'd love to tell you how this feels to me or how this might be better communicated or have you considered this message or not putting this in. And that was the beginning of the career that was to become the one I call mine today. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and uh, it's funny that you mentioned communications because we, we haven't even touched on it. <laughs> <laughs> how much more time do we have? <laughs> and what a critical... Can critical we go into overtime? Time. Seriously. <laughs> in these last couple of minutes, I will do this. Okay. Uh, we can't go overtime, but I will ask you... Um, for any final words of advice that you would give to, to an organization or, or a set of executives or, or, or capital source, whoever it is, that's contemplating entering into a merger or an acquisition or finds himself in the midst of one, I'd love to hear just any final words of advice or, or consultative um, insight that you could give. Yeah, so I'll give it a provide it quickly of kind of three different directions. If you are a business leader or consultant or on the financial side, non-human resources, um, and you've heard something today or considering something that inspires you to get HR involved, please do. I, I hope I hope I've illuminated some of the ways in which there can be not just cultural value, but real financial value from involvement from the human resources team. That said, 
not all HR teams and not HR talent is considered equal. You may not have, quite frankly, the talent in the company. And if so, get yourself a terrific, don't shut out your HR team. Use this as a learning opportunity for them. Have them shadow and learn and get involved. But if you don't have the HR leader that can provide that strategic guidance, then there's wonderful consultant consulting firms, including but not limited to your Sonia, that, you know, that can provide that. And, and don't be shy about using that. And, you know, obviously partnering with the internal team, but you, you need the right talent and experience in, in a seat such as that. If you are the human capital uh, team, I would say find your way to that table and add value and add value to the things that matter. And, and you'll get benefits in two ways. First and foremost, um, you'll provide more value to the deal and also should the deal be consummated you'll have your running head start for integration um, and then finally I would say if you're in a uh, situation where you're about to be acquired like I told my nephew Joe stay stay learn absorb grow yeah. give it a chance yeah uh, excellent words of advice and uh, I greatly appreciate all of the insights and the learnings that you gave us today. Uh, we didn't hear some, it did in fact hear some of the good, the bad and the ugly <laughs> as it relates to this. And, that, and that's what's just so important. That's yeah. why we're here uh, because these transactions are happening more and more. You know, we're happen to be in an environment where it's very friendly to these kinds of transactions. And, you know, I think to the extent that we can, um, avail ourselves of your skill set and the skill sets of people that do what you do, uh, these transactions can be not only successful, but celebrated by the people involved. I hope so. So, Francesca, <laughs> thank you so much uh, again for being here. Um, I want to say um, thank you to my listening audience for being here as well. Join me here again next week, same time on the Business Channel on Voice America. Thanks and have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week.